Thank you for listening to First Baptist Church of Conway. It's our prayer that this message will be both an encouragement and a challenge to you as you grow in faith. We are currently in stage two of our COVID-19 response where the church building is open for you to join us in person for worship. However, we will continue to broadcast the service live at 10 a.m. each week. Now, here's this week's message. Well, good morning. I'm glad to be here with you. I hope you're glad to be here, glad to join us as we continue our series titled, Behold, the Savior Comes. During this season, we're going to embrace the Advent, which is, you know, the coming of Christ. And then we look forward to the second coming of Christ with Christmas season. And we're celebrating, in the, celebrating the ways in which faith in Jesus allows us to experience the world in wonderful and unique ways. Last week, Pastor Gary talked about, well, that we can count on God. We looked at the first prophecy about Jesus and about his birth. And while the Old Testament gives us several prophecies about Jesus, we, and then we see that they came true, we are reminded of the faithfulness of God. We not only celebrate that he came, we celebrate that he's coming back again. We celebrate the arrival of the king and then the return of him. And last week, remember, Pastor Gary focused on faith, that because of the faithfulness of God, we can have faith in him. And the passage of scripture that I love that, we, that he read last week was this. It's found in Isaiah 7, uh, part of verse 9. It says, if you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. I think it's a good reminder to stand firm. To grab hold of that faith because we're all going to need it. Life's going to happen ups and downs. So we stand firm in it. Our faith is what keeps us grounded. It gives us hope. Our faith is in a God who tells us that the Messiah will be born of a virgin and then pulls it off. Our faith is in a God who when the Messiah comes, he predicts his own death and resurrection. And then he actually pulls it off. We celebrate our Savior. We celebrate the faith we have in him. We celebrate because our faith isn't in wishful thinking. Our faith isn't in things of this world. Our faith is rooted in a God who keeps his promises. That should get an amen, just to let you know. If you're ever wondering where you do amens, it's times like that. When we talk about the greatness and the goodness of God. Maybe I'll get a sign. Would that help? Yes, I just, Bill says, Bill will have the deacons vote on that and we'll get them to correct me one. That sounds good. Okay, fair enough. Today, I want to talk to you about undesirable situations. You ever found yourself in one? You ever wondered if God could do anything? If you ever wondered why God wasn't doing something? You ever wondered why what was happening is happening? Listen, I really am trying to talk about things other than COVID. Like, I really am trying, okay? We're going to get there. But listen, have you ever, maybe you had different plans with your life and you had different things that you thought were going to happen, but it seems as God chose another way? You ever had different ideas about how life would turn out? I think we probably all have. In your situation, your current situation, have you thought, well, I have followed God will the best I possibly could Why in the world did this happen to me? Why in the world am I in this? Did I miss something? Did I get off course? Did I, God said turn right, but I turned left and didn't even know. I mean, I was looking to pay attention. I mean, why is this going on? 
I told you before, and it's worth telling you again, I found myself in a very undesirable situation before I became a pastor. You see, I got the call to go into ministry when I was about 20 years old. And when I say I got the call to go into the ministry, what that means is I felt the urge to do something I had no interest in actually doing. Does that make sense? I didn't grow up thinking, oh, I want to be a preacher and teacher. No. I was the farthest thing from my mind. And so when I had a, a desire and a burden to preach and teach, it was like, where is this coming from? I didn't create this. It was something God put in, in my heart. So I felt this the desire in, in me personally. I was in the third year. I was going into the third year of electrical school. I was an electrical apprentice. I was going to get my journeyman's. I was in the third year, and I felt this calling that God wanted me to do something different. And just to quickly sum up the story, I dropped out of electrical school, signed up for community college, and moved back home with mama. That's always fun, isn't it, when you're 20 years old and you have to go live back home with mama? Yeah, a little, my pride just kind of, that's not an amen section, Doug. That's not, that's actually not where that goes. We'll get a sign. We need some help here. So fast forward a little bit. I was in community college, 2008 happened, and I ended up getting a job at a car wash as a general manager. This was what I did in high school, 2008, as you know, it happened to all of us. Construction industry was gone. I could no longer go to school uh, at for the community college and do electrical work. I had to find something else to do and started working at a car wash as a general manager, one that I worked at when I was in high school. This was supposed to be a quick job. This was supposed to be a job just to get me to the next place, but I was there for five and a half years. And working at that car wash, being in business, drove me crazy. I kept asking the Lord, why am I here? Why am I at a car wash? What can I possibly learn about ministry while being in business? What does Having, what does being a pastor have to do with business? I mean, I kept telling the Lord, Lord, I'm supposed to be a minister. I'm supposed to be a youth pastor. I'm supposed to do all these other things. I mean, being in business, learning how to manage budgets, learning how to manage people, dealing with disgruntled customers. Lord, that's never going to happen in a church. We all laugh now, don't we? God said, son, you're going to a Baptist church. I'm getting you ready. But I didn't know that then. I kept looking at my situation going, God, this doesn't make any sense. I don't want to do this. I don't have a desire for this. Why do you have me here? And, and I don't know if you've ever experienced it. You know, it's always funny to look back and laugh. But when you're in the midst of that feeling like God has you somewhere where you shouldn't be, feeling like you missed the sign, just desperately hoping that God will speak because where you're at doesn't seem to make any sense. If you've ever felt that way, it can be be hard. It can be depressing. It can be sad. You can be like, God, why aren't you doing something? And that was five and a half years. Maybe you're in an undesirable situation now. Maybe in your marriage. Maybe it didn't turn out the way you thought it would be. Maybe it wasn't what you thought it would be. Maybe in your health. Maybe in your current employment. Maybe with your schooling or your kids' schooling. Wonder, God, I didn't sign up for this. I don't want to be in this. What's going on? And of course, with COVID, we can all automatically agree that none of us want to be in this situation now. And we wonder, God, where are you at? God, are you doing anything? 
See, luckily for us, we're not the first people to ever experience this. And I bet you knew that. Luckily for us, the Bible is full of stories. And the one we're going to look at today, I hope, is a familiar one. We're going to look at the birth story of Jesus. One that I hope you're familiar with, but also what I want to point out today is how undesirable the entire situation would have been. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Luke chapter 2. If not, it'll be back here on the screen so you can follow along. But to start off, remember, again, it's Luke chapter 2. We're going to take a look at a couple named Mary and Joseph. Y'all ever heard of them before? Yeah, three of us. All right, good. Mary and Joseph. We'll talk about them a little bit more later then. But Mary and Joseph, remember, they were engaged to be married when Mary ends up pregnant. I am very confident Mary didn't plan on having a child out of wedlock. I'm pretty sure she never thought she'd be pregnant before she got married. It was not a desirable situation. Can you imagine Mary having to explain to her family and her friends and her fiance, listen, I didn't do it, God did. Everybody say, that's that's not how biology works. Think about Joseph. I mean, we know he took it hard when he found out. He knew when she was pregnant, it wasn't because of him. And what speaks to his character, I just want to point out, is although she would have hurt him because he thought, you know, she cheated or something like that, although she hurt him, he didn't try to hurt her. Remember that? He said, I'll divorce her privately. And of course, the angel came and told Joseph what was really going on. But we can look back and see that God was working in this situation, but they didn't have it easy. This wasn't planned. It wasn't desirable. Desirable, but God had a purpose and a plan for what he was doing in the world, something bigger than them, something much bigger. Sometimes we have to remember that. And while Mary was pregnant, look what happens. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. It says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. Just to give you a backdrop, I'm sure you know this, but remember Mary and Joseph, they were Jewish. However, Rome was in charge. And as you know from history, Rome was in charge. Wherever they went, they won. They were powerful. So the Jews were under Roman rule, and it's bad enough to live in a country where another country is actually in charge, but here Caesar, their leader, is shaking things up. What he's doing with the census is a big power play. It's a political shakeup. He's taking a census so he can figure out how much more taxes they should pay. And I know you and me, we've never experienced a political shakeup before, have we? It's amazing how out of touch the Bible is. When people say that, you know what the first thing I think is? You've never read it. That's the first thing I think. If you think it's out of touch, you've never read it. But here he's shaking up their country for their own purposes. And everybody, think about this, everybody has to travel back home on their own dime just so they can pay him more money. Politics are crazy. They have been for a long time and there's nothing they can do about it. So when we start looking at the birth story of Jesus, just realize this is an undesirable political situation. And when you are in the midst of those, while we are in the midst of political turmoil, it's easy to wonder, God, are you doing anything? God, why are you letting this happen? God, what is going on? 
Luckily for us, Luke can look back and say, no, 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 look at this. Look what he tells us next, verse four. He says, so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he had belonged to the house in the line of David. It's easy to miss, but here's what Luke's showing us. Listen, while Caesar thought he was in charge, he thought he was doing his own bidding. He thought this is the way he wanted stuff. He was simply being used by God to fulfill a prophecy. You see, Micah in the Old Testament 5.2 prophesied that the Messiah would be born in where? Yeah, Bethlehem. So God used the political shakeup where Caesar thought he was in charge doing his own bidding. Actually, Caesar was just doing the bidding of God. He thought he was in charge, but he was really just orchestrating events for the true king. Please remember, politicians are never near as powerful as they think they are. God is still in control. He is still God. And this can comfort us to remind us that politicians and rulers can only do so much. No matter how much they try to shake up the world, God is still in charge. Look at verse 5. It says, He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. So think about this. This undesirable political situation turned out to be an undesirable place to have a baby. Those of you who've had children or know someone who's had a child, you get, that's all of us, right? Yeah, okay, I didn't. Okay, never mind. I think I'm funny sometimes. I must have dad jokes that anyways, moving on. I think we can all agree that having your first baby in a cave surrounded by animals isn't ideal. And although we know they didn't know as much about disease as we know now, and we've come pretty far in that, I'm pretty sure she didn't want to take her brand new baby and put it on an animal's plate to sleep in. So an undesirable political situation led to an undesirable place because there was no room for them. There was no room. They couldn't get a place. And this reminds me that we can be directly in the middle of God's will and yet be in an undesirable situations and undesirable places. And you wonder, you say, God, you prophesied 700 years ago and, and Micah that, 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 that this would happen and couldn't you have reserved a room? Right, 700 years to reserve a, a place. You knew we were going to Bethlehem. Like, I'm sure it wasn't packed. What would happen? Questions like that are interesting, but yet God is still working. And I imagine, I don't know what you think, but when I look at this story, I imagine Mary and Joseph were discouraged. We think that they had it all perfect. Remember, they were just human beings and their babies being born in a cave surrounded by animals and there's no place to go. And we don't know if the Lord ever spoke to them after the birth announcement. And nine months having a pregnant wife, I mean, excuse me, nine months being pregnant is a long time. Some of you caught the first part, didn't you? Chuck did, no one else did. Right, and you wonder, did, did that really happen? Because we, we forget and surely they were wondering if God abandoned them, if God was still with them, 
if they were still on track, if their baby was still the Messiah, I'm sure they were wondering, God, hey, this doesn't seem to be right. I mean, the political landscape, they've ruined our plans. I mean, you know, Joseph was a what? What did he do for a living? Carpenter. You think he built the baby some furniture? Yeah, probably built a crib, right? Those of you who are dads who've had a, a pregnant uh, spouse, he built a crib. You know she wanted a crib. You know she wanted something. So they had this room. They had it painted. They had cribs. They had furniture. They had rocking chairs. They had the blankets and the blankets and the blankets. And the more, right? They had everything set up. And now they're in a cave. Surely they were discouraged. From a human perspective, we read this and we're used to it. We hear this every Christmas. But this was a very undesirable situation for Mary and Joseph. Very undesirable circumstances. And I want to remind you that it's in those undesirable circumstances, it's in those undesirable situations that God can and usually does do amazing things for his glory. Listen, just because you're in a tough spot, just because life is hard, it doesn't mean that your faith has failed you. It could just mean that God's about to do something amazing through you. Because in the midst of an undesirable start to a marriage, you ever had one of those? Don't raise your hand. In the midst, or excuse me, during undesirable political situations, after an undesirable trip, in an undesirable location, the greatest possible gift was given the Savior of the world. See, God was still working. None of these events can throw off what He had planned. And He was still working, not too far away in a field. Look at this, verse 8. It says, and there were shepherds, right? Just goes from that to these shepherds. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And it probably doesn't catch it off guard because we think about like David and, and shepherds and how it's a good thing. By this time, shepherds were not good people. By this time, shepherds were outcast of society. They were considered untrustworthy. And their work made them unclean according to the Jewish law. They had an undesirable job working in the middle of the night, watching over sheep. Not a lot of human interaction there. So here are these undesirable people, these outcasts working. Look at verse 9. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Now, this is pretty deep theological. I don't know if you've ever learned this, but why do you think they were terrified? Yeah, because an angel showed up in the middle of the night when it was dark. Wouldn't that terrify you? Yeah, of course it would. An angel just starts showing up and singing. That's what happened. So these outcasts of society were scared. They were, what is this? And look what the angel says. We're going to look at the ESV here because the NIV decided they don't like to translate the word behold, and that's what we're looking at. So we're switching translations now. Luke 2.10, and the angel said to them, fear not for, behold, there's the word we're looking for, behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Remember, Pastor Gary talked about last week, behold is a spot that an author, somebody saying, stop, pause, and look. Like, I know we're in this middle of the story, I know you're reading, I know you're daydreaming, I know you're distracted. I'm going to start saying behold, actually, on Sunday morning, start getting your attention. 
Now I see why they do it. But he says, behold, pay attention. And the angel's saying, look, I know you're scared, but hold on. Behold, pay attention. Look, pay attention. Look at this unexpected surprise. Something's about to happen. He says, don't be afraid. I bring you good news. I bring you great joy. Savior's been born. And this word great joy, look, this word is megas. M-E-G-A-S. Megas, megas. Start saying megas. Yeah, that, like mega joy. The Bible has the word mega joy. Isn't that pretty funny? What's going on with your humor? This is good stuff. I bet you didn't know the Bible said mega joy. I bet you didn't know that. You've learned something new today. You have mega joy. The angels, mega joy to all people. And if an angel were to show up to you, said, I bring you good joy, what would, what should they say next? Like, I bring you great joy, you have a new job. I bring you great joy, you can go to school. Bring you great joy, you have a new house, you have a new car, you have a new relationship. What what about this? I bring you great joy, there's a vaccine. See, these were just shepherds. These were just people. They were like you and I. They had human desires, they had human things. They had things they needed, they had things they wanted. But no, no, the great joy was something so much bigger, so much better. Something that we should all behold and draw in and pay attention to because this is where joy is truly found. It is bigger than anything we can possibly gain, and yet it's available to us all right now. Verse 11. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. If you don't have Luke 2.11 memorized, try to memorize it this Christmas season. You see, this is the only Bible verse that has these three titles of Jesus right next to each other. In fact, in the Gospel of Luke, he's going to show you how he's the Savior, the Messiah, which is King, the Savior, the King, and Lord. That's what he's going to take his time explaining to you, that the Messiah, the Lord, has come. You see, Jesus is the Messiah, which means king, the anointed one, the long-awaited leader that the world has been longing for. And the world is still longing for a leader. And I'm here to tell you, it's not going to come through our political system. It's not going to come through your political party. The leader is Jesus. He's the only one that's going to get it right. He's the only one that doesn't have selfish interest. He's the only one we really need to turn to, and he's already came, and he's coming back again. He is the king, the Messiah, the Christ. That's what Luke is showing you in the midst of Caesar having a power play. He's just orchestrating events for the true king to come. And he is the Lord, God himself, who's come to us. The incarnate God has come down to earth, and he's the king. Here's what's so important about this verse. I know if you're sleeping, wake up. This is important. He's been born to you. He is the Messiah and the Lord. But what does this Messiah and Lord do? He saves. Remember, Jesus isn't just a savior. He is the king and the Lord who has come to save. This is what he does. He saves. But he is not just the savior. He is the Messiah and the Lord. 
He is so much greater than we think, so much greater than we give him credit for. The reason why you can have mega joy is because Jesus, God himself, has come to us. You see, we take this time during this season not to just get gifts, not to just spend a whole bunch of money we don't have on other people. We take this time to remember the greatest gift that has ever been given. A gift that will never lose its appeal, that will never lose its usefulness. A gift that you cannot replace. Our salvation found in Jesus Christ. That's the joy available to us. And I want you to rediscover that this year. Rediscover the joy in Jesus. Rediscover the great gift of grace. Listen, you're always gonna have problems in life. Once you figure out this one, what's gonna happen next? Another one, even if we don't have one, we'll find one, won't we? We'll find something else to think about that's wrong. But you see, your greatest need has already been taken care of. Your sins have been forgiven. You can be in a relationship with God. You can be a part of that new heaven and new earth we read about earlier. But it's easy to get distracted, isn't it? You ever gave a kid a Christmas present? They played with the box more than they played with the actual toy? I think that's us. We go through life playing with boxes playing with the creation of God, playing with this other stuff rather than focusing on the true gift that is Jesus. The gift that we unwrap is our salvation. That should delight us. That should satisfy us. God's looking down on us playing with our cardboard boxes going, why? You think about this Christmas when someone starts playing with a box, won't you be like, oh, I better think about Jesus. God, tell me to think about Jesus. And the angels told the shepherds, you know, said, you'll find the babe lying in, in a manger, swaddled in clothes. And the angels broke out in a song, praising and glorifying God. Look at verse 16. Look at what they do. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told, uh, what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard were amazed at what the shepherds said them. Listen, when God's moving in your life, you can't help but tell other people about it. And what's so amazing is the first messengers for Jesus were the outcast, the not good enough, the least of these. Listen, if you don't think you're good enough, if you don't think you came from the right place or the right family, or, or you just name it, if you say, there's no way God could use me, I've been through too much. God's first messengers, when the announcement came, God started using shepherds, the outcast to say, hey, go tell them now. Go visit my baby born in a cave. I have come for the least of these. I have come to identify with the not good enoughs. I've come to them all. It's amazing to think, and, and that's what this story is showing us, the great reversal, that everything that we thought was important, the way a king should be born, the way a king should arrive, not God. The great reversal is him coming to us being born poor and a manger. It starts off here and it goes throughout his ministry. 
This reminds us that no matter where we are in life, no matter what others think about us, no matter what our job is, God can use us. He knows where we are, even in the middle of a dark field, in the middle of the night, God knows where we are. And he can call us and use us for his purposes. And look at what they did. Look at verse 19. This is so amazing. Verse 19 says, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. I told you she was discouraged. Wouldn't you be having a baby in a cave? And God sent these outcasts to come encourage her, to come speak truth in her life. She treasured them up. God hasn't forgotten. God has used us. God does remember. Look, he's showing us now. Verse 20 says, and the shepherds return, glorifying and praising God for the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. They're doing what the angels were doing. The angels came. See, angels don't have distractions that we have. They don't have the cardboard boxes. They're in the presence of God. There are no cardboard boxes. They just experience God. The shepherds, when they see God, the cardboard boxes don't matter. It doesn't matter what job I'm going back to. It doesn't matter what's going on with my family. It doesn't matter what's going on with my health. When I get a glimpse of Jesus, when I understand what God has done, I am going to be like the angels, and I am going to glorify and praise him. And that's what this season's about, is to remember that and to cherish that. When they discovered Jesus, their lives changed. Their situation didn't. But their joy did. See, last week we were reminded of the prophecies of Jesus coming back. This week we're able to see how the prophecies came true in seemingly the most undesirable situations. Be yet God was at work. Remember, God can and quite often does use those undesirable situations for his glory. Because it's in those situations we realize that it couldn't have been done any other way. It wasn't about us. It wasn't about our talents. It wasn't about our expertise. It was about God moving and working. You see, remember, we not only see that at the birth of Christ, but we see it at the death. I mean, who would think that a man crucified by Rome being poured out and blooding would do anything? Remember, his disciples left. They were like, it's over. We're done. Nothing good can happen from this. But it's in the death of Christ, he then gives life to us all. It's in those situations where it doesn't seem to make sense that God shows up and says, no. I've had this the whole time. Haven't you been paying attention? To which you say, no, I was playing with the box. I wasn't. It's like, I got this. Remember his disciples thought it was all over. They were hiding behind locked doors. They said, nothing good can come from this. What they didn't know is God was just getting started. He was about to give them leadership of the whole thing. You see, when I look back at my time at being a general manager in the car wash, I can honestly say I wish I had a much better attitude. I had no idea what God was preparing me for, and quite honestly, I thought I knew better. You see, we all know hindsight is twenty twenty. We all can look back and go, I see how that happened, and I see what God was doing. But perhaps... Perhaps we can learn from Scripture that even in the midst of those undesirable situations, God is working, and we know that. We can have faith in that. 
So perhaps we can keep our eyes on him in the midst of those undesirable situations and still experience his joy and his peace. Like the shepherds, I should have focused on praising and glorifying God. But for five and a half years, which is a long time, five and a half years, I just focused on what was next. You ever done that? You ever not paid attention to what was right in front of you and what you were experiencing, always focusing on what's next, thinking what's next is really going to be better? Oh, when I get there, then it'll be good? It's embarrassing to admit, but I've really thought that, God, I, I know what's better, and, and you don't, so here's how it needs to happen. Perhaps you've been there, or perhaps you're there now. You see, I didn't behold. I didn't pause. I didn't pay attention to what he was doing in my life. See, Philippians 1.6 says this. I'm sure you know this. It says, being confident of this, which I wasn't. I wasn't confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to the completion into the day of Christ. If God started a work in you, he'll see it through. If God started using you, if God's called you for his purposes, if God has saved you, he's not gonna stop. And no matter how undesirable your situation may be, if you've had an undesirable start to your marriage or undesirable relationships or undesirable marriages in general, if there's an undesirable political situation going on, if you've been on an undesirable journey or if you're in an undesirable location, God is still at work. He will do what he said he would do. And see, when I look back to the car wash, I realize I led far more people to Christ there than I ever have at church. I realized the joy and the people I could speak to and the situations I was able to do. I was able to employ people, give them jobs, give second chances. I mean, I'm not bragging on me, but I hired a murderer and got to see him do great things. Literally, I got to see people rehabilitated. I, did, I didn't realize I was doing ministry. I don't know what your story is. Hindsight's 2020. But perhaps when we look at the story of Jesus and we behold, perhaps we can just have insight rather than hindsight to realize God is working in our midst right now. And we can behold. And we can experience the joy of Jesus. We can experience that life's not what we thought. It's not what we would do if we could plan. But there is joy. Jesus has still saved us. Perhaps this season we look at the inside to say, God, I know you're working. I know you're moving. I know good's going on. Help me see it. Help me embrace what you're doing. Because the truth is, you know this. Undesirable situations, they're just part of life. And once you get what you thought was going to fix it all, what happens? It doesn't. Or you just find something else you need. We can always chase and look, but the season calls us to behold, to pause, to stop, to think. Remember, the little baby born who was born for you and for me. So this season, you're probably going to find yourself in an undesirable situation. But perhaps this will be the first season you can identify more with the first Christmas than you ever have before. In the undesirable situations you can still show joy. Not because of the people, not because of the presence, but because of the Savior. 
So allow Jesus to give you insight this season. Perhaps you can rediscover and rework on that relationship with him. The greatest gift we've ever gotten was that. The only gift we ever truly need. So I encourage you this season to still celebrate. Still put up the tree. Still wear those ugly sweaters. Still put up the lights. Still celebrate Christmas. Even if you're not going to be with the people you usually see, even if it's going to be different, still celebrate Christmas. You see, Christians are famous for getting mad at Xmas. Y'all know what Xmas is, right? You know, where you take out Christ and you put an X. We're famous for getting about it. Perhaps this year we can truly celebrate Christ at Christmas. Perhaps it'll be different, but perhaps we can refocus refocus on what it truly is about, that is Jesus. And like the shepherds, our situation may not be ideal, but because of our Savior, we can still glorify and praise God. Will you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, today we're reminded about the birth of Jesus. God, help us all rediscover joy Help us rediscover ways in which we can see our current situations while it doesn't, it's not ideal, ideal, while it's not desirable. Let us just see you in the midst of it. We are so thankful for your salvation. We're so thankful that you saved us. While we were sinners, you still loved us and drawed us to you. So Father, thank you. Help us rediscover joy the great joy that's only found in Jesus. In his name we pray.